in a crucial stage It's not because of foreign wars we wage It's more to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people trying to cross the border And politicians build a new world order Too many minds are convinced they should be led I've gotta be free The way God made men And I won't be ruled by the damn Right to self-defense They say you're safer but they don't make sense Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns All the unions always ask for more All we buy is made on foreign shores Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay I've gotta be free The way God made Welcome to today's broadcast of Tap Into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. Uh, of course and as we are looking at things, it is the Memorial Day weekend. Time of the live broadcast that I'm here behind this microphone happens to be Sunday, May 29th, 2022. A lot of you will be hearing this first hour. On Memorial Day itself, if you are listening on uh, great terrestrial radio stations across the country, uh, you know, stations like KYAH 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority, uh, and uh, I want to extend my wishes for everyone to have a very safe and enjoyable Memorial Day weekend, and specifically Memorial Day, as we honor this day of observance. It's not really a holiday as much as it's a day set aside to remember our fallen heroes, the men and women who proudly put on the uniform of their selected branch of the military, and who, in ultimate service to this nation and all who live here, paid the ultimate price. They did not come back home. So uh, regardless of when you're hearing this, I certainly hope you spent some time this weekend uh, set aside for remembering those fallen 
And uh, I do hope that you are visiting me over at Rumble and uh, have come over to Locals.com and will come join the Tap into the Truth community while you're over there. Uh, one of the uh, things I've been doing here lately is when I have a few minutes doing bonus material for the show in the form of uh, headlines you may have missed videos that are available Technically, they're available everywhere that I put videos, uh, whether that's YouTube or Rumble or BitChute. And, of course, putting the Rumble links as much over to the uh, the locals community. But I am also doing tiny little videos here and there that's complete and total uh, bonus content that exists only at Locals. Uh, only for supporters at Locals. So uh, sign over there, check it out. Uh, these, of course, I have already received comments. Oh, such uh, low uh, quality, uh, low budget uh, productions. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is low budget production because I am on a low budget. I have explained this multiple times, guys. I am financing this on my own. With a little bit of help from monetization. So, you know, if you want to see uh, better, more professional uh, production value, uh, then you can help me out with that by becoming a supporter over at Locals or by following the links that I provide in the show descriptions or the banners at tapintothetruth.com and purchasing goods or making a direct uh, contribution if you so choose. I don't normally ask for a whole lot of that, although I've had, had a few folks do that over the years, and I'm very grateful for those who have. It's a very thoughtful and considerate. But uh, anyway, point of the matter is, uh, yes, it is low budget, and it is intended to be more of a one-on-one uh, -on -one you and me kind of community thing. So that's part of the idea here. It's not me spending hours on post-production, and it's not even me spending time doing multiple takes. And that's part of why the most recent video, uh, I seem to meander a bit at a couple of places, uh, because it, the intention is to do a single take. And boom, there it is. And eh, oh, that wasn't so great, but I, I made the determination that that's the whole point. So that's what we'll be doing uh, for those videos. In the meanwhile, let's let's get back into things. Obviously, the primary political talk of the country continues to center around the Uvalde shooting. And uh, as terrible as that was, it wasn't the only shooting we've had in the past few weeks. And there is reason to discuss that more. And uh, there's plenty of other things going on in the world. I mean, the Davos crowd are together in Davos right now as we speak, continuing their little... Uh, personal pep rallies about why they should be the ones ruling the world and what their big plans are as they will continue to rule the world and let us uh, little people continue to scurry about for as long as we serve their purposes. Uh, so we're going to touch on a few things. Uh, Lion Biden uh, does it again. Uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. But I want to remind everybody when it comes to this shooting in Texas that it is important. In fact, it is vital that we not fall into uh, a trap that's very easy to fall into, and that is emotionalism. We should not. We cannot let ourselves fall into the trap of letting our emotions get the better of us 
Because, yes, it's a very emotional thing to see children, young school children, uh, mowed down for no other reason than the fact that this individual decided to do so. If you didn't have an emotional response, I would be concerned about you. I would be concerned that you may be the next person to go on one of these rampages. But we cannot make public policy based on an emotional reaction. No good public policy will ever come from it. No solutions will ever occur from it. We have to let our logic and our reason look at genuine statistics and facts and make a determination about how best to mitigate risk as opposed to an effort to shut down something completely. Because the only way to truly keep anyone from ever doing a bad thing is to make sure that no one is allowed to do anything. That's it. And if you have some means to accomplish that, then there's a really good chance that if you try to implement it, you're not one of the good guys. There's no point in letting the not the good guys set public policy because then it puts the actual good guys in a bad position. Uh, just, just as an FYI off to the side, by the way, I said lots of things are going on. I'm not certain how newsworthy this bit is, but just in case you haven't heard, Nancy Pelosi's husband was arrested over the weekend, picked up on Saturday night just before midnight, uh, driving under the influence. It seems that uh, Nancy's not the only one in the family that has trouble holding her liquor. But uh, that's just out there, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know how no newsworthy it is. Probably isn't really, and I don't typically report on stories like that. I just want you to keep in mind that the same people that are out here claiming to be your leaders have the same troubles and struggles that the rest of us do, and they are truly no better than any of us. It's just a few of them may have a few more dollars in their bank account. They think that makes them better. It does not. Anyway, back to the not let emotions get the better of us. I think a good case in point is actor John Voight. Uh, John is a guy in Hollywood that has come out of the closet as being conservative a little while back. He's been one of the more fun follows on Twitter up until uh, Twitter did everything they could to silence him. And uh, at that point, I think he left for a bit. I don't know if he's come back, to be honest. I never went back, but I enjoyed following him while I could. And uh, usually he's a solid conservative, but John Voigt has responded to this tragedy in Uvalde, Texas, by calling for new measures to be put in place for gun ownership by doing a, uh, a credentialing uh, kind of thing. He wants to, to make people jump through some of these hoops based on their, as he put it, quote, mental capacity, among a few other things. Now, Voigt's Remarks, of course, came after this 18-year-old Latino male stormed Robb Elementary School this past Tuesday and killed 19 students before Border Patrol agents burst into the room and killed him. Voight, uh, he clearly has been 
conservative, although one could start to question uh, that conservative mindset, uh, given what he's espousing here. But again, I want to remind you, please don't judge him too harshly if you are one of these purists in the conservative side of the argument. Because he's having a legitimate emotional response and the common sense clarity that will come after the emotions passed has not yet arrived. We are talking about a nation that is legitimately in mourning, and there are people in this country that see that, who've had children, who have grandchildren, who see what happened, and they're going to have a strong emotional response. They're not going to be able to help it. It doesn't make that the best time to set public policy, though. Now, Voigt espoused his left-of-center views on gun control on two separate videos that he posted to social media on Saturday. These videos, in which he called for people to have to meet additional qualifications before being able to own firearms. He said, quote, It's not about left, right, guns, no guns. This is about brains that are dysfunctioning. This is mental. This is not about healthy human beings serving the country with arms to bear or even the right of this constitution for bearing arms. It is a right to use arms with proper purpose to defend one's safety. We must not allow mental illness to take away our right to bear arms. This is about trusting the constitution, our rights, our reasons. Okay, so when you read through that part, it sounds like he's torn, and it sounds like he's trying to make two points at once. It sounds like he's created himself a, a nice little juxtaposition because when you say this is about trusting the Constitution, trusting our rights, and trusting our reason, that is a strong argument for putting more firearms in the hands of law-abiding citizens and I don't have a problem with getting more people better trained for the use of their firearms, but I don't think you can legitimately stand back and say, well, we have to make sure that you're mentally stable. Because as soon as you do that, someone will find a way to weaponize that for their political purposes. We already heard during the Obama administration an effort to try to say that all returning veterans, all military veterans returning from military operations, from active war zones, were instantly, automatically, by virtue of having been there, suffering from PTSD. And if you're going to start making such open and wide generalizations, what's to stop them from making the next open generalization? But I want to continue with what John Voigt said. Quoting again, he said, We're living now in a world that has no remorse for wrongdoings because we are being led by the worst in office. We must identify every individual for their credentials, for their mental capacity to bear arms. There should be proper qualifications for gun ownership and proper testing. One should only own a gun if they are qualified and schooled. Now, you see, that's where he steps across the line. I have to agree with him. 
when you say that we're living in a world with no remorse for wrongdoings because we're being led by the worst in office. That much is partially true, but there is remorse for wrongdoings by those who are mentally stable enough to realize they've done wrong, by people who still have a conscience. Uh, clearly, none of the politicians involved in this situation meet that criteria. I would point out that Voigt's remarks completely missed the fact that the shooter, the shooter in the Texas school shooting, that he was able to legally obtain two firearms by completing ATF Form 4, I'm sorry, 4473. That is the beginning of the background check. Those who have been committed to a psychiatric facility who have violent criminal records or are a convicted felon, well, they're prohibited from owning firearms already, and the background check will flag those records. There were certainly indications that the shooter in this case had a history of violence that included making threats, hurting animals, and attacking people. He also showed signs of psychiatric issues in the way that he related to people by flipping from one extreme to another, at least according to the people who knew him. And he also reportedly said that he had fun cutting his face with a knife. These are all things that Void is missing. These are all things that all the Democrats that keep calling for red flag laws and stricter gun controls, they're ignoring the fact that the system that currently exists will work exactly the same as the systems they want to impose. They're just going to make it a lot harder for law-abiding citizens to actually acquire tools to defend themselves with. A universal background check, which was something that uh, Chuck Schumer was talking about uh, bringing to the floor for a vote and then decided not to because he knew he didn't have the votes to even keep all the Democrats on board. He knows that that would be ineffective. He knows that that would not have stopped the Buffalo shooter, nor would it have stopped the Texas shooter. I mean, I think a much better question is how this 18-year-old Hispanic kid with uh, these issues that he clearly had had, that was living with his grandmother because his mother was a drug addict, because they could not get along. How is it that this guy was able to afford the firearms that he had, especially the two that he legally obtained, and all the ammunition he brought with him. Where did the money come from? I think that's a much better question than would a background check have stopped it. He went through background checks. Well, clearly that's not enough then, Tim, and your conservative ideologies aren't enough to stop things. But you can never stop all of this. I've had multiple conversations over the last few days on social media, some with good friends, people that I've known for a long time, people that I also realize that they're having these emotional responses. These emotional responses are legitimate. 
I don't have a problem with people feeling this way, but I have a problem with people not understanding the true nature of what's brought these things about. There is danger in ignoring truth. I had shared a meme on Facebook that says evil does not exist within a gun. It exists in the minds and hearts of those who pull the trigger for evil purposes. And I had a friend respond to that saying that if evil didn't have the instrument to kill with, to begin with, then there would be no killing. And ordinarily, I would let a comment like that kind of set. But because it's somebody that I actually know, and that I know what the struggle is in their minds, I felt the need to respond. And it started a conversation. So I responded to to the comment by saying that Cain killed Abel with a rock. People commit murder with their bare hands. The only instrument needed is the human heart twisted by hate or the human mind focused on the negative of this life. Evil uses whatever tools makes itself available. The response to that was that while that's true, why make evil worse by giving it a rifle designed to kill lots of people as quickly as possible? And I felt the need to continue the conversation. First and foremost, that's not what these rifles were designed to do. You can't make evil worse. You can just possibly make it more efficient, but you can't make it worse. But that's not what these rifles were designed to do. These are not built to be weapons of war. Semi-automatic rifles were in common use in the United States for nearly a century before they were even moved into the hands of the military. Now I'm rounding up, but I, I, I understand that I'm rounding up significantly when I say nearly a century. Maybe not quite that, as near as some people would think. I know somebody will jump on that. But uh, repeater action was known pre-Civil War. And semi-automatic firing was commonplace in American homes in the early 1900s. We didn't see uh, any type of automatic weaponry commonly used by the military in a rifle version until World War II. So that's not what was used. And I said that semi-automatic rifles were widely available in the U.S. by 1907. And that it is, in fact, the move away from the value of human life in our culture that is the problem. Not wanting to give up on trying to change my mind yet, the response is, we talk about evil, designs, and cultures, and the value of human life. We all have our opinions. My opinion is certain guns should be banned from general public use. I never hunted with anything but a single-shot rifle or a bolt-action style and did just fine. 
No need for any other type of weapon to be used except for military and police use. Will the banning of the AR-15 stop the killings? I doubt it. Why not try? So far, nothing else has worked. And again, I found myself compelled to respond. I couldn't just let it go because there are still some historical inaccuracies here. Things that if you're going to rest your case on these statements, you need to be prepared to back up. So I say actually, while it was not the AR-15 specifically, it has been tried before. The so-called assault weapons ban that Biden brags about so often did target semi-automatic rifles in the hands of citizens. And shortly after this passed, violent crime did go down in large parts of the country. But strangely enough, it didn't go down in all of the country. If you take a long, hard look at it, the places that things got better were the places where people bought more guns to defend themselves. People that reacted to the typical gun-grabbing efforts of the government to say, well, I have to go buy guns now before they make it impossible for me to get some. The same kind of things we saw going on during the lockdowns when people came to realize that if they're going to try this long term, there's going to be riots on the streets, so I need to be able to defend myself. In those places, the violence went down. And this is not opinion. It's empirical data. And when you present the empirical data in the full picture and not just cherry pick the parts that you want to in order to support the weapons uh, gun control debate part of the argument it paints the picture clearly and you can look at other places around the world places that claim oh we have no gun violence because we don't let folks have but do you have less violence do you have more people able to stop violence when it happens The only difference between an AR-15 and those early semi-automatic rifles that existed, uh, other than maybe a caliber size difference in a few of them, the primary difference is the fact that they use plastic stocks, that they look more tactical, that they have a few things a little more modular that would make it easier to add things to it. But ultimately, this firearm is no more and no less dangerous than the firearms that existed 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 150 years ago. So what's the real difference? Now, some people are going to say it's because we've turned away from God. And there is some truth to that, because when you turn away from God, you turn away from mor morality. And when you turn away from a stable moral uh, value that you're going to cling to, then you also turn away from valuing human life. But I'm going to say it's as simple as that. It is as simple as that. When you devalue human life, when life has no value to you anymore, when yours is the only one that you care about, and even then you've been convinced by people that uh, want you to believe that you're nothing more than a victim and the only way you'll ever have anything or amount to anything is to uh, try to burn it all down well, then it becomes a very simple matter of not even valuing your own 
life. You don't respect yourself enough to show respect for others. And then all of a sudden, Call of Duty seems like more than than just a fun video game. It seems like a way you could spend a real-life weekend. You can say what you like about it, but at the end of the day, it is the human heart that has something missing and the human mind that has allowed itself to be twisted into darkness that is the problem. When you devalue life, and I mean across the board in any fashion, when you try to make it seem okay to murder pre-born baby humans, that you have devalued life to such an extent that it has no real value in your mind whatsoever, then how? How can you possibly expect people to responsibly use tools? When you devalue the idea of having personal responsibility, of facing up to the consequences of your actions, to try and convince everyone that, oh, it doesn't matter if I do something wrong because I I was a victim. I was misled. I was drawn into this. If there are no consequences for your bad actions because they make it seem like it's okay and the only people you want to hold accountable are people that you disagree with politically, then there is going to be more of this no matter what you take away from the law-abiding citizens. A U.K. reporter was giving uh, Ted Cruz a hard time the other day. Uh, Why do you continue to push uh, advocacy for gun ownership? Because it's gun ownership that prevents this on a much wider scale. History has shown time and time again that in areas with more gun ownership per capita, there is less violent crime per capita. History has shown that even the mentally ill who decide to go out on a rampage like this tend to pick soft targets, places that they know they can get into and do at least a certain level of damage before they can be stopped. In places where they have taken guns away, they have not lessened violent crime. In fact, violent crime in many instances have went up. Maybe it hasn't been perpetrated through the use of firearms, but initially uh, in Australia and the UK, initially it was because initially only the criminals had the guns. They eventually weeded a lot of the guns out of the hands of the criminal, but it didn't stop the violent crime. Because then, guess what? It goes to blades. In the UK right now, violent crimes committed with a knife is so high that uh, a certain former mayor of London was literally suggesting that they banned knives. But citizens should no longer be allowed to have – how many tools are they going to take out of your hands in order to continue to make their argument? Because it's not about making you safer ever. If they're trying to take away your ability to defend yourself, it's not about making you safer. It's about them and their ability to control you, and they don't care if you're the victim of a crime because they're planning on perpetrating crimes on you themselves. They're just going to make it officially legal because they can control the the powers of government. Because what happens next? Here in the United States of America, if you want to look specifically at AR-15s, there are more murders perpetrated by hammers 
and by bare hands than there are people killed by AR-15s. And even after this horrific shooting in Uvalde, Texas, that number is still has a long way to go to try to catch up for this year. It just remains a local crime, so it's a local story, and you don't hear about it, but it's happening all around you. There's probably somebody you know that has been the victim of a violent crime that lives somewhere in your neighborhood where it was not the use of a firearm didn't enter into the equation. Now, this doesn't mean that something shouldn't be done to try to hold criminals accountable. It doesn't mean that something should be done, that something should not be done to try to help the mentally ill get the type of help that they actually need. But right now, in the current status, how do we know? How do we even believe that this kid, if he had been drawn into the system and and forced into some type of psychiatric assistance, that he would have even gotten the kind of help that he should have gotten. We know he became a depressed emo kid. There's a really good chance that in this modern age of psychotherapy, he would have had somebody try to convince him that he was actually transgender and probably started him on hormone blockers. That's where we're at now. It is insane. All right, let's take the mid-hour break and... uh, change topics before it gets any later uh in the meanwhile you guys stay right where you're at i'll be right back renowned globalist and leftist influencer bill gates bankrolled hundreds of media outlets to the tune of more than 319 million dollars hello i'm ron edwards on today's page from the edwards notebook brought to you by constitutional grounds coffee According to Minute Press, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has generously funded leftist media outlets both here in the United States and abroad, primarily in Europe and Africa, where Gates is famously accused of allegedly working to render Africans less able to reproduce. Gates has generously bestowed NPR with $24 million. Cascade Public Media has received over $10 million from Gates and CNN. They've been gifted with well over $3 million from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Mm. Der Spiegel of Germany has been granted the handsome amount of almost $5.5 million. The media recipient list of Bill Gates' generous media donations is too long to complete at this time, but it must be nice to simply buy media influence all over the world. Mm. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the Ron Edwards American Experience talk show times via theronedwards.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. It's not so unbelievable that governments would want to disarm their citizens, but that citizens would beg to be disarmed by their government is a much scarier thought. We've seen government control most recently in Venezuela, where citizens are left to defend themselves against a violent government by throwing rocks, because not too long ago, they were disarmed by that very government under the guise of gun safety. Gun control laws like the ones in Venezuela are exactly what our political left in America would like to see here. As a mother, I am terrified. I have four children in our public school system, and if they knew that their teachers were potentially carrying a gun... They want to be disarmed by our government so badly that they protest in the streets, demanding that government take away their rights. 
all for that assault weapons ban to keep these weapons of war out of the hands of civilians who do not need them. All for the prohibition of high-capacity magazines, because no hunter will ever need access to a magazine that can kill 17 in mere minutes. How does this happen? Well, it's complicated, but it starts with very powerful propaganda targeted at people who can't think. People who have been taught to believe that freedom is dangerous. People who can't think for themselves are targeted from many directions. Schools, movies, news sources, and even their own friends and family. And once they're on board with the anti-gun fear campaign, they continue to perpetuate the irrational gun fear. Well, they have to justify their position, right? Also yeah. don't need home protection. Um, oh. you, don't, you don't need guns for home protection. You don't want to bring more guns into a situation. The answer to solving violence is not more violence. Gun fear is cultivated purely for the purpose of gun control support. But the people who spread it don't always know that they've been misled. They think they're doing a good thing. These same people are taught to hate gun owners. They're taught that gun owners are recklessly and intentionally putting everyone in danger. They're taught that gun owners are the enemy and more government control will protect them from the enemy. Why does anybody need an assault rifle if they're not going to war? I don't think there's any reason to have 33 bullets in a killing machine that you can take into a place like a school. Watch these anti-gun activist groups in action and you can't help but ask yourself if they have any clue what the real results would be if they were successful. So what's the real problem here? Is it really guns or is this about something else? I mean, do guns cause violence? How do we let the gun grabbers hijack the conversation and direct the focus to firearms when we all know we really should be talking about what causes human violence? You see, if we were to look at what causes human violence in this country, we'd be forced to look at gang violence, open borders, sanctuary cities, rampant pharmaceutical drug use, and gun-free zones, all things that the anti-gun political left supports. So to the anti-gunners, why in the world would you want your government to take away your rights? The Second Amendment is not a privilege. It's your right. I'm Dan Wass. To check out my webcast, go to LoadedMike.com. To check out my book series, go to GoodGunBadGuy.net. All right, and do not hesitate to give uh, Dan Wass a visit over there. Uh, and uh, before we jump into this next topic, I want to remind everybody that, uh, well, something you really don't need to be reminded of, the economy is getting bad out there. So it may not necessarily be the best time to think about starting a business, uh, depending on the kind of business you're going to start, that is. Uh, there are great opportunities as long as this nation continues to stand as founded. Uh, capitalism is typically a great thing. Free market economies allow you to use your best ideas to become profitable. Given a Biden economy, if you weren't planning on starting a business right away, you might need to change your plans because there's a really good chance that uh, the job you're currently working at may struggle to the point that you kind of need to get started. So don't hesitate, go ahead and check out what it's going to cost you to, you know, form an LLC. Uh, that's typically the best way for most uh, fledgling businesses to get started. And, uh, you know, according to the folks over at Trustpilot, according to some of the folks over at Inc. 5000, and uh, even, 
Even Bank of America says this is one of the most trusted organizations. I highly recommend you visit Inc. Authority. That's I-N-C as in incorporate authority. Uh, they have a program that literally they offer services that they do not charge you for. And I have no idea how they get away with it, but uh, it, it seems difficult. But corporation processing fees, some of their competitors will charge uh, nearly $150 for that. LLC processing fee, uh, nearly $100 for that. Uh, registered agents uh, for up to a year, uh, nearly $250 for that. Those are always free. And also included with your free LLC or corporation, you get a business name check, you get a registered agent, you get digital storage and delivery, tax planning consultation, uh, other online upgrades. You get preparation and filing. You get S election forms. You get incorporation care support. And you get business credit and funding analysis. Uh, all that part of their 100% truly free of charge service. As they themselves say, free your dime, free your time, and free your mind. Free your time, uh, of course, uh, well, you know. You free your time because as an entrepreneur, you know every minute counts. You can avoid the risk of losing your valuable time with Inc. Authority. For your mind, well, while there can be many unknowns when starting a business, you deserve peace of mind that your business is being filed. Accuracy. Uh, so uh, there you have it. Obviously, you free your time by virtue of using this free service. Now, there will be a link in the show description where I will be asking you to use that link. That's how they will know I sent you. Uh, you can also visit tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P-intothetruth.com. And uh, scroll down past recent guests and you will see uh, the ink uh, logo and a little uh, link beside it. Just punch on that. That'll also work the same. They will get to know that I sent you. And remember, that's that's only if you're ready to start a business. And I promise you right now in a Biden economy, lots of reasons to be concerned about possibly starting a business. But uh, like I said, it might be the only way that you can uh, make ends meet. Just, just visit them. Check it out. Eh, trust me, it'll be worth your time. All right, now let's get back to uh, today's broadcast. This next topic is about the continuing lack of honesty we get from a certain Josephette, Josephette, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. I was trying to combine Joseph and Robinette. Uh, Josephinette. <laughs> Why well, would it surprise you to find out that, that that's actually how he pronounces it? I, I'm making that up. But anyway. Evidently, uh, good old creepy, handsy, feely Uncle Joe, a.k.a. barely there Beijing Biden, he falsely made the claim while giving a speech at his alma mater that the uh, January 6th rioters at the U.S. Capitol killed two police officers. Now, it's an interesting bit of fantasy, but uh, Biden's not the only one to try and push this narrative, is he? You see, Biden and several top Democrats have repeatedly 
continue to try to spread this debunked claim. Uh, but see, this time, his latest assertion, it came at the University of Delaware, you know, where Biden graduated back in 1965. No police officers died during the riots. None, zero, not one. And in fact, only one person actually died at the event. Ashley Babbitt, Air Force veteran, guilty of the horrible crime of trespassing, if any crime at all, shot dead. When it comes to police officers that were involved, there was only one who died, and he died the next day. He was found to have died of natural causes, so it wasn't rioters that killed him. Just one, not two, and not killed by rioters. Did not happen at the riots, but they keep telling the story. And do you have any idea how many Americans out there believe that to be true? And actually you're surprised if you only say two. They believe this horrible insurrection actually occurred because they're listening to the mainstream legacy media and to politicians with a D at the end of their name. Part of what Biden said, quoting him now from his speech, a mob of insurrectionists stormed the Capitol, the very citadel of democracy. Imagine what you'd be thinking today if you had heard this morning before you got here that a group of a thousand people broke down the doors of the Parliament of Great Britain killed two police officers, smashed and ransacked the police, I'm sorry, ransacked the office of members of the British Parliament or any other. What would you think? What would you think? Well, I would think they were really mad. I would think that there was some criminal activity that occurred. But um, I would also wonder why it is you want to make this assertion when that's clearly not what happened on January 6th. Even though you are currently still holding political prisoners and you're threatening the removal of their citizenship so that you can continue to treat them in such harsh terms. Now, immediately after the U.S. Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick died on January 7th, the department claimed that he had been injured while physically engaged with protesters and was taken to a local hospital where he succumbed to his injuries. The New York Times reported that Sicknick had been beaten with a fire extinguisher, another claim that has since been debunked. The, the Washington, D.C. office of the chief medical examiner told the Washington Examiner back in April that Sicknick's death was natural and caused by two, count them, one, two strokes. Two other police officers, Metropolitan Police Officer Jeffrey Smith and Capitol Hill Officer Howard Leibengood, Leibengood, they reported that they killed themselves following the attacks. The only people involved in the riots who died on January 6th were Air Force veteran and Trump supporter Ashley Babbitt, who was shot in the neck by Capitol Police Lieutenant Michael Byrd, who was cleared of wrongdoing. 
two protesters who suffered fatal heart attacks, and another who died of a suspected drug overdose. So they were all protesters who died that day, and only one died as an actual result of the protests. Biden claimed in a speech in Wisconsin back in March that rioters killed five police officers. So at least he's getting closer to the truth now. Quoting here, again, look, how would you feel if you saw a crowd storm and break down the doors of the British Parliament? Kill five cops, injure 145, or the German uh, Bundestag, or the Italian Parliament? I think you'd wonder. wonder what, what do you think we'd be wondering there, Joe? What do you think we'd be, wonder, we'd be wondering? What made them so angry? Maybe you should ask the question, what made them so angry? Joe, what made them angry enough to walk in after police officers removed the barricades and opened the door? What made them so angry after uh, the then president of the United States, the orange man who was bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist, offered Nancy Pelosi the use of the National Guard to help bolster security, and she said no. What do you think made them so very angry there, Joseph? Well, Joe continued saying, well, that's what the rest of the world saw. It's not who we are. And now we're proving under pressure that we're not that country. We're united. Really? Where are we united, Joe? How are we united? What part of united? We're united in our misery under your so-called administration's leadership were united in the misery of record-setting, record-breaking inflation, of one dunder-headed, disastrous decision after another. Oh, well, let's do away with energy independence. What could that hurt? We'll work towards green energies by virtue of eliminating our ability to do carbon energy. Joe, we are a carbon-based life form living on a carbon-based planet. Seems like most of our best resources are going to involve carbon. It seems as if the green energy still, even though we're improving a little every year with the technologies, we're still not there yet, not ready for prime time. And most Americans can't afford all the many things that you can, Joe, because we didn't have Hunter running around picking up bags of cash for us and saving 10% for the big guy. I don't know how much you are just that far out of touch and how much you are just whoo -whoo, that far gone. But in either case, Somebody in your administration knows exactly what they're doing with all these policies, and your policy is American people last. Your policies are, what can we do to make the American people suffer until they realize how evil they've been? They must suffer for all the tragedies they've forced upon people, and the stories we have to tell, whether they're true or not, to make people buy into it, well, it's, they're all just uh, means. They're all just means to an end, and, and, and the end justifies the means, right, Joe? Democrats, Democrats on the House January 6th Commission have also 
repeated the claim that rioters killed police officers. Committee Chairman Benny Thompson, Democrat from Mississippi, said in his opening remarks on the first day of the hearings last July that seven people lost their lives in the riot. The number would appear to include Sicknick, Babbitt, the officers who committed suicide, the protesters who suffered fatal heart attacks, and the one who died of a suspected drug overdose. But this past Friday, Biden told another whopper while addressing graduates at the U.S. Naval Academy, he claimed he had been accepted to the vulnerable institution in 1965, but opted for the University of Delaware because future NFL Hall of Fame quarterback Roger Staubach blocked his path to gridiron glory. In fact, by 1965, Biden had already graduated from college. And while he was at Delaware, he never played varsity football, despite later claiming that he did. So, you know, trying to think of some clever wordplay with plagiarists in the name Biden. Because clearly, uh, he is a plagiarist. He also seems to have a great deal of difficulty dealing with facts. Fact number one, you were always a horrible politician, Joe. Fact number two, you appear to have been pretty much a horrible person. Uh, You got along very well with the people you thought could help you uh, advance. But you didn't really care much for, you know... Regular everyday people. I mean, you seem to have fooled a, a large enough number of them, but then that seems to be a strength common for most politicians. You manage to fool enough people into believing that you're on their side and they will fall for it and they will support you. And I even know some people here in Tennessee that continues to say, well, that Joe Biden, he's, he's a real good guy. I challenge them to offer up an example of his good guidance, and uh, they tend to struggle with coming up with an actual incidence and something that truly occurred. In fact, most of them uh, aren't even capable of, of telling me anything other than the fact that, well, he's a Democrat. Yeah, that that's not a winning factor there, boys and girls. I mean, putting an R at the end of your name doesn't automatically guarantee anything either. But uh, putting a D at the end of the name means that uh, either you have some serious misunderstandings about what the Democratic Party on the national level truly represents, or you truly are one of them and you're just not a nice guy. You just pretend to be one in front of television cameras. Well, he was Barack Obama's vice president, yet uh, he was... To Obama, what uh, what George H.W. Bush needed for his VP. Somebody that wasn't going to upstage him. Somebody that could deliver the votes of one, maybe two states to help shore up support, but was never going to upstage or potentially threaten to overshadow. Barack himself has reminded the world more than once to never underestimate Joe Biden's ability to F things up. 
man, oh man, that is probably the truest thing that Barack Obama has ever told a group of people. I'm thinking for his entire life, that's probably the truest thing he's ever said. I don't understand, but that's where we are today. You catch me with this little bit of a, a delay because, again, I see these things so clearly, and, and it's a repeat. It gets really difficult sometimes to continue to get behind this microphone because it stops being therapeutic at a point when you keep seeing the same things. I mean, what's happened in Texas might as well be Sandy Hook 2.0. There's criticism of the police and their action or lack of action their handling of the situation and again I'm susceptible to the emotional reaction when we hear that they waited around an hour plus before doing something and then all the misinformation we got off uh, right at the jump of the story it's clearly rational for people to want to blame someone to assign blame to someone and the police Failure to follow what makes sense to us as parents or grandparents who would have children in those situations, it makes them a prime target. But at this point, the one thing I'm 100% clear on is that we do not have 100% clarity on the events of that day on anything. So maybe it's a little too early to be blaming the police either. Now, if what we're hearing now ends up being absolutely true, then yes, there's plenty of criticism, well-founded, well-earned, that should be squarely placed on the police and their failure to act appropriately. But at this point, we still don't know. Some of us are convinced based on something we've heard. Turns out, uh, initially we were told that uh, school resource officer engaged and was unable to stop him. Not true, as it turns out. That he used the truck that he crashed into uh, an area that would have been ordinarily locked, and that's how he gained entrance. Uh, Not true. He crashed into a ditch before he even got to the school, close to a local funeral parlor. He actually started shooting there before he even got to the school. Now, literally just right across from one another. A police officer actually showed up soon enough to the 911 call at the funeral home. That he had not made entry into the school yet. He literally ducked down behind a car and let the police officer drive past him. Cop wasn't looking for anything at the school. Cop was looking to get to the funeral home to respond to the call of shots fired there. The kid goes into the school because a teacher had propped open a door that was supposed to be locked. The more we find out, the more we find there's plenty of blame to go around. But at the end of everything, what's most important is we need to be patient. We need to get more of the facts, and then we need to hold the people accountable that are most accountable. With that being said, so we'll end the first hour of today's broadcast. So uh, if you're listening on terrestrial radio, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. 
Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, if you're listening to the podcast or if you're listening anywhere else, don't go anywhere. Hour number two starts right after this. From a blue state clan Taught to praise the little man The USA is in a crucial stage It's not because of foreign wars we wage It's more to do with the colors blue and red Many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people trying to cross the border and Politicians build a new world order Too many minds are convinced they should be led I've got a big free The way God made Right to self-defense They say you're safer but they don't make sense Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns All the unions always ask for more All we buy is made on foreign shores There'll come a day when there'll be real hell to pay I've gotta be free The way God made Welcome to today's broadcast of Tap Into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. Uh, time of the live broadcast, just in case you're listening to the rebroadcast on Terrestrial Radio, happens to be Sunday, May the 29th, 2022. And I point that out so that you will know if something drastic has happened between now, this moment that I'm actually uh, recording this for the rebroadcast purposes. And uh, the time that you get to hear it, which most likely will be somewhere around Tuesday of this upcoming week, well, then you'll know why. Uh, important to remember that uh, we are still technically at the time I'm doing this in the Memorial Day weekend. So for those of you that are listening now, regardless, I'm going to assume you have survived said weekend. I hope that it was a very good and safe weekend, and I hope you spent a 
acceptable and reasonable amount of time in the day of remembrance doing exactly that, remembering our fallen heroes, the men and women who wore the military uniform of the United States and who paid the ultimate price so that you and I can have the freedoms and liberties that we currently have. Some gave all so that we can continue to have all of the blessings that we have. All right, with that having been said, let's move into today's topics. Now, as I mentioned, this is in fact the second hour of a two-hour live broadcast that occurred on Sunday. Uh, Back in the first hour, uh, if you have missed it for some reason, please come find the podcast somewhere and give a listen to hour number one. Uh, Some interesting topics, I believe. Uh, Obviously, if I don't find them interesting, I have a hard time talking about them, right? Talked about Nancy Pelosi's husband being arrested over the weekend. Uh, If you still, for some reason, haven't heard about that, uh, that's a a thing that happened. Uh, Like I said back in the first hour, I don't know that that's particularly newsworthy, but it seems like the kind of thing that we should take a look at and watch how the media treats that story compared to how the media would treat the story if it was, say, I don't know, uh, somebody currently on the enemies list of the left. Let's say that uh, the wife of Donald Trump was caught arrested for DUI. Uh, You think that would be everywhere, or do you think it would be quiet? Hush, hush. I'm just saying, uh, the hypocrisy is the reason for mentioning it at all. Otherwise, I I tend to think that that's the kind of story that's not really much of a story. Paul Pelosi is not the kind of guy that I'm overly concerned about what he's up to, except, of course, when he uses insider information from Nancy uh, to make investments that seem to pay off so much better for them than they pay for the average American investors. I'm just throwing that out as an example. Anyway, we are still reeling from the tragedy of the shooting in Juventa, Texas. And people have tried to move on as much as they can from the shooting in Buffalo, New York. Partially because they can keep screaming white supremacy all they want to. It doesn't really fit the narrative because there's all of 13 active white supremacists in the country, okay? I'm exaggerating down a little, but not much. It's not a serious threat, and you can talk about the shooting there. Ooh, racism, racism. And, you know, it was strange that there wasn't that much of a call for gun control there. Uh, it was more of a control, uh, a call for controlling our ability to express ourselves, more of a call for censorship, particularly censorship online that came with the Buffalo shooting. We've gotten plenty of gun control, gun control, gun control. Ooh, AR-15s are evil when it's come to the Texas shooting. Well, when you shoot kids, you're going to get an emotional response, and you're going to get people to waver on our God-given, constitutionally protected rights. Because kids being murdered in such a fashion, it should cause an emotional response. You should have... An emotional response. You should care, but you should also then put your emotions aside and work to to mitigate the threats. You, there's no reason. 
There's no rationale that in a world where these weapons already exist that you're going to be able to do anything other than force law-abiding citizens to ever give them up. And I'm willing to tell you here in this country when it comes to firearms, there's going to be a lot of uh, normally law-abiding citizens that are going to refuse to give them up. You're going to turn a lot of good people into criminals, and you're not going to take that out of the hands of the people who would do harm. You're going to be taking a tool for self-defense out of the hands of those who are typically law-abiding citizens who are going to be further at the mercy and the whims of those who would do them harm. Anyway… While the media is now basically trying to move past the Buffalo shooting, part of it may be because a lot of the things that they claim should stop it keep uh, finding their way into details. Uh, the part of the story here that makes it pretty obvious that no, no, it really wouldn't. In fact, now one of the bigger stories uh, surrounding the Buffalo shooting incident is the fact that a retired federal agent may very well have known about the shooting in advance. Authorities are investigating whether or not a retired federal agent had advanced warning that a white supremacist was planning on murdering black people in a supermarket in New York earlier this month. This news comes after the attacker killed 10 black people in their attack at the uh, Topps Friendly Markets store in Buffalo. The retired agent is believed to be one of six people who had regular contact with the attacker in an extremist online chat room. The two law enforcement sources with direct knowledge of the investigation stated that these individuals were invited by the assailant to read about his mass shooting plans and the target location about 30 minutes before the assailant killed 10 people at Topps Markets on Jefferson Avenue on May 14th. This being quoted from the Buffalo News. Back to the report from the Buffalo's News. Agents from the FBI are in the process of tracking down and interviewing the six people, including the retired agent and attempting to determine if any of them should be charged as accomplices. Now, it's not known whether the six individuals received the invitation and then read it before the tragedy occurred. That is kind of a major factor. Because, again, that's that thing that happens online. I mean, if somebody makes a comment on a post that you share on social media, but you don't have that social media platform pulled up, then it may be a while before you know that uh, that comment's been made, right? Same deal here. If I send you a message via Messenger, I send you a text message, send you any type of electronic communication at all, but you don't have those apps open or you don't have your phone on at all, then you're not going to receive any of that information until you at the very least turn your phone back off. To you, at the very least, on your laptop or your desktop, pull up those platforms again. So if you only send this invitation 30 minutes before, there's no way of knowing if these folks had had a chance of reading it or not. At this point, now they can tell. 
the investigators will be able to tell quite quite easily, but the point still stands. It's a legitimate question. Did any of these six people know about it ahead of time? That seems like it'll be an important factor in trying to determine whether or not they should be charged. Now, according to one of the law enforcement officials with knowledge of the investigation that was in this report, quoting once again, these were like-minded people who used this chat group to talk about their shared interest in racial hatred, replacement theory, and hatred of anyone who is Jewish, a person of color, or not of European ancestry. What is especially upsetting is that these six people received advance notice of the Buffalo shooting about 30 minutes before it happened. The FBI has verified that none of these people called law enforcement to warn them about the shooting. The FBI database shows no advance tips from anyone that this shooting was about to happen. Now, of course, this news comes after the other mass casualty event happened in Texas. Uvalde, Texas is struggling with this horrific tragedy. The assailant in Texas was killed by U.S. Border Patrol agents who had just sat down for a haircut when his wife, who was a teacher at Robb Elementary School, texted him and told him what was happening and asked him for help. There's an active shooter, she said. Help. I love you. The New York Times reported that the Border Patrol agent's barber gave him a shotgun and that the agent then ran out of the barber shop and sped to the school. These stories are going to be forever entwined in the American consciousness, and I think rightfully so. The fact that you're going to see news agencies continue to try to link them it could come from one of two things. Number one, oh, see how frequently that's happening. Uh, we need gun control. See how this unraveled in Buffalo. We need to better control what can be said online. Or some folks may want to link them together to say, do you see how untrustworthy the mainstream media is in the reporting? Do you see how much of a failure every so-called prescription for this problem that the left offers up actually only further exacerbates it? If you don't see that last, by the way, then you're not paying attention, at least not to any accurate sources of information. Now, the one thing that I find most interesting about the story about the retired federal agent is there doesn't seem to be an acknowledgement of if he was there as a plant to garner information from potential violence by white supremacists or if he might have actually been a legitimate member of this group. There's not a mention here. I wonder why. I mean, it's not a secret at this point that the U.S. federal agencies and some state-level law enforcement uh, folks 
are planting officers in these groups. You you put these people in. It's called undercover work, boys and girls. And if you can actually do the undercover work through a computer keyboard, uh, that's certainly the safest version that I've heard yet. And it doesn't require you to go around doing a bunch of crazy stuff like we have seen depicted in movies and television when it comes to dangerous undercover work, getting involved with dangerous gangs or underworld figures. Ultimately... That is a question I would like answered. Seems to me like I, I know what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that this guy was a plant, that he was in that group uh, to try and keep an eye on some of the more dangerous individuals. We know that this kid, this 18-year-old young man that pulled the trigger in Uvalde, Texas, should have been on somebody's radar. He should have been on some watch list. His membership into this chat group should have been enough to put some type of surveillance there. I'm not against law enforcement being able to surveil dangerous individuals who may be up to no good. I'm not even above them just being able to freely join a chat group like that, and they can claim whatever they want to claim in order to be admitted in. I don't think you need to have a warrant to do that kind of surveillance, considering how dangerous. Now, I have a problem if they want to go in there and try to say, well, you're not allowed to say these things. What I would like is they can be there, they can do their faux participation, and then they will have a heads up if something violent is about to take place. It makes me wonder, actually, if, if he felt so comfortable in this group. They, we're, we're talking about the Buffalo shooter. Why did he only wait 30 minutes? Why wouldn't he have wanted some type of feedback from his fellow haters of all things Jewish and colored? Uh, why wouldn't he have wanted some feedback and maybe some possible tips and pointers from the like-minded people who would have supported him. Something tells me that he was at least somewhat suspicious of someone in the group already. Of course, now you're asking me to make suppositions based on the inner workings of someone whose heart was twisted full of hatred and a fashion that is unbecoming to human beings of any kind. So maybe I can't adequately anticipate what he would do. Maybe if I thought of myself as a journalist as opposed to a, being a commentator, I would find myself reluctant to even make that comment because it's not very journalistic to do so. Not that we get a whole lot of journalism much of anywhere these days. There's a few folks still trying it, and hey, hat tip to those who are. Not meant to be a crack on them, but at the end of the day, uh, journalistic integrity has gone out the window a long time ago, so I might be the closest thing to an actual journalist you're going to get if you don't have some other really good sources that you're following. Is that going to keep me from being a commentator? No, because that's what I am. I am a conservative Christian commentator, and I try to leave the Christian part of it out of most of the conversation because I focus on politics. I'm not going to hesitate to make reference to my 
religious beliefs, but I'm also not going to try to force it down your throat because that's not my role here, and it's not my role in life. You have to determine for yourself what your faith is going to be. You have to determine for yourself what your political philosophy is going to be. My role here is to comment on the things I see and to hopefully convince one or two people who are wavering or who maybe are following a different path but decide to listen to what the opposition has to say into applying some critical thinking and maybe change their political philosophy, at least on a couple of uh, topics and issues anyway. So I think this is an important enough story that we need to take a, a long look at it and that we need to follow it. I think this, too, is part of the reason why so many news outlets have kind of tried to go dark on the Buffalo shooting. They realize that this racial fatigue has existed in the country for a while, and all they manage to keep doing when they start talking about racism and white supremacy is bringing conservatives back to making the point of how – ridiculous Black Lives Matter Incorporated has managed to pull the wool over everyone's eyes. Now, we shouldn't get involved in the whataboutism game, but uh, sometimes it's hard not to. Sometimes it's hard not to make a counterpoint that kind of sounds like you're trying to play whataboutism even when you're not legitimately going the whataboutism route. But at the end of the day, Black Lives Matter Incorporated was a scam, flim-flam artists, of folks that were trying desperately just to bilk you out of money with no real concern about your well-being, no matter what color your skin was or what communities you tend to live in. And if you have any doubt or question about that now, all you have to do is go take a long look at what they've done and what you've been able to find out they've done with their money. There are people like me who's done more to try to help secure black communities than anyone associated with BLM Incorporated. True fact. By virtue of calling out a lack of policing in communities that have high crime, I've tried to make the point that having more police that want to serve your community and want to protect the citizens that live there is a good thing. That's doing more for your community than anything BLM's done. They wanted to take more police out. They wanted to make it more dangerous. Stop and think about it. They wanted to buy themselves mansions with the money that you donated that you were expected them to do good. So they don't want to talk as much about the Buffalo shooting. Unless they can find some new way to make political hay out of it, they're going to hope this quietly goes away. So you're not likely to get a whole heck of a lot of reporting on this new story circling the event. I'm going to try to keep an eye out on it, and I'm going to try to make sure that when there are more updates available that I'm going to bring it back up. We're going to continue to follow up on this particular story because this – never mind the question that I want answered, which of course is why was this agent in this group to begin with? Because, I mean, if he was there undercover, we need to know that. Nobody's going to be surprised to find out an agent was undercover. But if he wasn't there undercover, then I think we need to know that too. How long was this agent in place? How long did you know he was actually a racist? And again, I, I don't know that he was. I'm not implying that he was. I'm just saying this is something that should be answered, guys. Once we know that it was a former agent, a retired agent that was still in the group, what? 
after you retired, why didn't you leave the group? I get joining this group while you might have been undercover. Maybe you still felt like you should stay just in case you could give some warning. But more importantly than that, I wholeheartedly believe that if any of these folks knew it was coming beforehand, was absolutely certain that this guy wasn't just blowing smoke, and that might be the only defense they have, but if they knew ahead of time and even thought he for a half a second that he might have meant what he was saying, and they didn't call ahead, they didn't give a warning of some kind, then yes, absolutely charge these people with being an accomplice. Charge these people with whatever you need to charge them with because they did, in fact, commit a crime. But again, that goes back to how do you prove intent? If you can prove they opened it up and had more than five minutes until it was going to happen... And I'm willing to say at that point, well, hell, there's no point in calling now. I'd be willing to give them that as a defense. Most people wouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't. But if this was a guy who was constantly making braggadocious statements in this group and you had no reason to believe that he was serious about carrying it out, then I'm not so certain that there was some uh, charge here. And I think ultimately that's going to have to be the kind of thing that we watch because I'm afraid we currently live in a system where our government wants to treat its political enemies one way and its friends a completely different way. And I'm quite certain they would love to try to make any known white supremacist an example of how we're going to fight racism. And they're perfectly willing to do that at the cost of giving up constitutional liberties at the cost of doing away with due process. I don't care how much I may not like you. I don't care how much you have done something so atrocious that I personally believe you belong under a jail somewhere. I do not want you to be deprived of due process. I do not want a government that is willing under any circumstance to railroad someone regardless of how guilty they're convinced you may be of how heinous a crime that might have been. Because at that point, what liberty remains? At that point, how much freedom do we still have? A government that's willing to do it and that we're willing to allow to do it? Well, it has no limitations. It has no constraints. The Constitution is shredded. The law is only what they say it is. It's like Joe Biden giving his speech. Uh, well, two police officers were killed. No. No police officers were killed. But I said it, so bam. How many people believe it? Sadly, we do have a large number of citizens in this nation that do not utilize trusted, or let me rephrase that, do not utilize trustworthy sources for information. And it's a crying shame, too, because some of these people are watching CNN. Some of these people are watching 
NBC, ABC, CBS. I seem to recall a time, albeit we seem quite removed from it now, where all those folks that I just mentioned endeavored to be a pillar of journalistic integrity. Now, that time has long since passed, I admit it. And yes, I find myself often sitting here and lamenting the loss of the institutions that once had positive value and merit in the American system that simply now do nothing more than try to destroy it. But am I wrong to to long for the days when journalists did journalism? Am I wrong to long for the days when politicians made goodwill promises in their campaigns and then tried, at the very least, made an effort to to honor those promises? Who put their district's constituents ahead of the party desires? Am I wrong to miss that? Am I wrong to wish that it could return? Because if I am, then I'm just going to keep being wrong. And sorry, guys, if if you don't want those same things, then I'm not the host for you. I don't believe that we're so far gone that the republic can't be saved. But the reason I don't believe that has nothing to do with government and where our government's at currently. It has everything to do with the American people. I do still have faith in the American people because I have absolute faith that if some of these people that are still trusting CNN would open their eyes and realize that they're being purposely misled by this network, that they would return to a more American viewpoint, a mindset where America first isn't the battle cry, but liberty and justice for all is the battle cry. You see, you don't have to talk about America first if you have a true American mindset because you know that you can't uh, save somebody else's house if your own house is on fire. you got to take care of yourself first. You know that if you're on board an airplane and there's a sudden loss of cabin pressure and those little air masks drop down, if you don't put your mask on first, you're not going to be in a position to help put that mask on that person sitting beside you if it happens to be a small child. America first is implied. It doesn't have to be said in a way that sounds rude or arrogant, but it is implied, quite obvious for anybody who applies just the tiniest bit of critical thought. And it is through that American vision of standing up and doing what's right of being a beacon to the rest of the world of what liberty and freedom looks like, willing to stand up for our friends and sometimes our political non-friends, but they're not our enemies either, when they're facing down evils like China about to invade Taiwan. When they're facing down evils like Iran building nuclear weapons under the guise of creating a nuclear energy program. And utilizing cash that was sent to them by, on freaking pallets by the Obama administration, a, a practice that Biden is trying to bring back. It used to be that if you had a D at the end of your name, you still loved America and you still wanted what was best for her people. 
It used to be that if you were an American citizen and tended to vote Democrat, it wasn't that you disagreed with me that America is a great nation. It's that you disagreed with me simply what the role of our federal government should be. And that's a disagreement that we can respectively have, respectfully have with one another and still manage to not become enemies. I tend to believe that most Americans fit into that category, that if they would just stop getting the bad input of data, that we would return to that spirit of unity. The only way Joe Biden is ever going to be able to unify this country other than in the unified misery that he's forcing down our throats currently is if he stepped out of office and allowed someone else to step in who actually did understand the implied nature of what the true American spirit is. I got to take the mid-hour break, don't I? You guys don't go anywhere. I will be right back after this very brief. American leftists have been feverishly seeking to wipe out every good moral standard. Black Lives Matter and Antifa thugs have sought to make life uncomfortable, while assisting Democrats in fundamentally transforming our republic into a brutal hellhole. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Browns Coffee. Recently in Oak Park, Michigan, a rude black female allegedly tried to cash a fake $8,900 check at a liquor store. The business owner then called police. Because the liquor store owner wasn't stupid and called police, the mother of the fake check owner led a group of leftist Black Lives Matter folks in a protest against the liquor store owner because he didn't bow to the wishes of the woman with the fake check. They screamed, Black Lives Matter! The Black Lives Matter residents also accused the liquor store owner of racism. They also displayed a sign stating, Stop Racist Cops. That sign represents the leftist belief that black people like Marcina Barksdale of Oak Park, Michigan, should be allowed to lie, cheat, and steal, and even try to cash fake checks. Or you'll be called a racist. And here, the tired Black Lives Matter chants, all because leftists of all stripes seek to turn the American dream into a globalist nightmare. To that I say, basta! What say you? I'm Ron Edwards. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. We often find ourselves arguing statistics with anti-gun people. But let's put the conversation into perspective. I'll give you some stats, but also expose the anti-gun left's real motives for gun control. First of all, Don't you think that anyone who really wants to save lives would focus their attention on an area where the most lives are lost? The gun grabbers like to use the number of 30 to 40,000 gun-related deaths per year. But if we take out suicides, which are 60% of those gun-related deaths, which, by the way, are not reduced by the absence of guns, and we take out law enforcement-related deaths, in other words, good guys killing bad guys, we're left with about 14,880 gun-related homicides. But here's where it gets interesting. The majority of those gun-related homicides are gang-related. So let's say we didn't have the gang problem we have in this country. The number of gun-related homicides shrinks to 2,976 per year in America. Here's another interesting fact that the anti-gun left doesn't want you to know. The majority of gang-related violence occurs in Democrat-run cities across this country that are highly gun-restricted, by the way, and often allow violent illegals safe harbor. 
What that means is good people living within those cities are denied their right to protect themselves against the human violence that Democrats encourage with their bad policies. Now let's compare that to some other things that the anti-gun left could be working on if they really wanted to save lives. Drunk driving takes almost 11,000 lives per year in America. 47,000 lives are lost per year in America due to suicide, bipolar disorder and schizophrenia being two of the leading causes of suicide, not guns. But one of the biggest causes of preventable deaths in America is abortion. Almost 330,000 lives are taken per year in America by people committing abortion. Now let me give you a piece of information that the anti-self-defense crowd doesn't want you to know. How many lives do you think are saved every year because of guns? The answer is two and a half million. Every year in America, two and a half million lives are potentially saved by the use of firearms. Now this doesn't necessarily mean good guys killing bad guys. This most often means just the mere presence of a gun deters a bad guy. And 46% of those lives saved are women. This is a study that was done by Gary Kleck, a Florida criminologist, and backed by data from the CDC. So why do you think the gun grabbers never share this information? Well, some would argue that they don't really care about saving lives as much as they care about disarming their fellow citizens and preventing them from independently protecting themselves and their families. Gun control is a top-down method that puts government in charge of the lives and safety of people under the guise of public safety. It's the first step in stealing the freedom our founders fought for. The anti-left has already decided that they are willing to give up their freedom to government. The problem is, they can't have their government-controlled utopian society unless you get on board. And real Americans are clearly not getting on board. Gun control is a way of forcing you into dependence, whether you like it or not. Now, we're never going to cure the evil in the hearts of killers, but we can stop them. So, to the gun grabbers, do you really want to save lives? Then get to work on the real causes of human violence and help us restore our gun rights so good people can protect themselves. Help us save lives rather than ending them before they get a chance to take their first breath. I'm Dan Wass. To check out my webcast, go to LoadedMike.com. To check out my book series, go to GoodGunBadGuy.net. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for staying with me through that very brief break. I want to remind everybody that uh, we are entering wedding season. Uh, it seems strange to mention that when we're talking about these ridiculous topics that we are covering uh, to this point. But, uh, well, here's my chance to try to encourage you to go on and live life and be happy. Uh, until the world finally does stop spinning around, we should continue to behave as if it intends to continue on. And as such, that means some of you have met someone special, you've fallen in love, and you've decided you want to spend your life together. If you happen to be one of these people, or if you just know somebody that's one of those people, uh, you might want to check out HoneyFund.com. Uh, they are the most trusted honeymoon registry site on the uh, web, and literally funding your honeymoon is their business. With a HoneyFund page, wedding guests can make contributions that become cash in your hands, cash that will help you to travel the world together, or uh, basically 
make a down payment on a house or any other savings goal that you may have uh, in your new life together. So uh, give a visit to honeyfund.com and uh, just check out what they have to offer. I, that's, that's all I'm really saying here. There will be a link in the show description. Uh, there are links at the Tap Into the Truth uh, p- uh, website. That's Tap Into the Truth, T-A-P-P, Into the Truth, all one word, dot com. And uh, just kind of go visit and check them out. That's that's all I'm saying. Uh, also, I would have to remind you, just for general purposes, I do own a small equity stake in HoneyFund.com. Uh, very small. Uh, below the legal minimum required for me to make that acknowledgement. But I still feel it's important to be honest with you guys and let you know that I do stand to have some financial gain if you become a client at Honeybun. But uh, I think the benefits are going to outweigh anything I gain. So just just go visit and see for yourself. That's all I ever ask for any of these. Uh, just go visit and see for yourself. And in this case, you can just go to honeyfund.com. You don't have to follow a special link. I own equity stake. I'm going to get my piece of the pie regardless of how it plays out. Just a very tiny piece of that pie. Okay, let's get back to the broadcast, shall we? Most shows, since I typically go two hours, I find four primary topics. I will put in some smaller stories for filler, or sometimes I don't have a whole lot to say about a topic, but so I'll add on. But today, one of the primary topics that I wanted to discuss, because it's utterly ridiculous that we've gotten to this point in our society, this is one of those stories that we just have to talk about. It seems that a group of uh, congressional Republicans are planning on submitting a bill to legally define what a woman is. Now, maybe it's time we did that. Uh, since we seem to have a Supreme Court justice uh, who's about to to join the court uh, after the retirement of uh, another justice, uh, maybe it's time we did define it since, since there seems to be some confusion. So Republicans in Congress have introduced a bill to define what a woman is. Republican Representative Debbie Lacow's, uh Lesko starting to say Bukowski anyway. It's like, that's not right. <laughs> Debbie Leskow uh, from Arizona sponsored a women's bill of rights to provide additional legal protections to women under federal law. And it was reported in Red State uh, about this great new uh, bit of legislation. Uh, their report continues. Because you see, there's nothing that establishing a standard for identifying people on the basis of their sex is crucial to societal stability. You know, there's nothing that establishes this standard in law, but the rationale behind it is noting that it is important, that it is crucial to be able to legally define the difference. Now, I personally miss the days when it was simply common sense, that you simply understood what a man was, what a woman was. You didn't have to determine what a birthing person is. You didn't have to be concerned about men having children, uh, being pregnant, I should say. Uh, All these things are relatively new phenomenon. 
Okay, so maybe it is time that we do this. I just it feels sad that we've come to this point. At any rate, House Resolution eleven thirty six states, "Quote: There are important reasons to distinguish between the sexes with respect to athletics." prisons, domestic violence shelters, restrooms, and other areas, particularly where biology, safety, and privacy are implicated. The proposed legislation states that males and females possess unique and immutable biological differences that manifest prior to birth and increase as they age and experience puberty, and that biological differences between the sexes can expose females to more harm than males from specific forms of violence, including sexual violence. It even defies current left-wing orthodoxy by declaring that only women are able to get pregnant. The bill states, quote, biological differences between the sexes mean that only females may get pregnant, give birth, and breastfeed children. The bill also indicates that motherhood and fatherhood are reserved for women and men, respectively. The bill states, quote, for purposes of federal law, the word mother means a parent of the female sex, and father is defined as a parent of the male sex. Republican Representative Jim Banks of Indiana, Mary Miller of Illinois, and Diana Harshbarger of Tennessee, Harshbarger, hmm. Claudia Tenney of New York, Vicki Hartzler of Missouri, Doug Lamborn of Kansas, Ronnie Jackson of Texas, Doug LaMilfa, I'm probably butchering that, and Victoria Sparza of Indiana, Ralph Norman of South Carolina, and Barry Moore of Alabama submitted the bill alongside Lesko. Now, Banks, who also serves as the chairman of the Republican Study Committee, argued that this legislation is critical in order to protect the rights of women from leftist attacks. He said, quote, The modern Democratic Party has put the left's woke agenda before the rights of women. These days, Democrats refuse to even admit women exist or recognize them as unique beings with unique abilities. While radical liberals strip away the progress and uh, protections that generations of women have fought to achieve. Republicans must fight back and acknowledge these basic biological truths. As the father of three daughters, I'm proud to co-lead this resolution reaffirming the legal protections afforded to them under federal law. Now, according to a press release from the Republican Study Committee, House Resolution 1136 is also supported by several outside women's interest organizations uh, like the Independent Women's Law Center, Concerned Women for America, LAC, 
uh, Women's Liberation Front, and the Eagle Forum, which actually I didn't realize the Eagle Forum was a women's group per se. But hey, it's there, and uh, who am I to argue? Now, I find myself kind of feeling silly that we've gotten to this point, but then I also find myself wanting to stand up and applaud these people for saying, all right, fine. You have it your way. You want to pretend like this is the case? Well, let's go ahead and create legislation that legally defines it so that you can't keep playing this game. I, see, that's just it, though. It feels like it's become a game. It feels like it's just one more issue in the culture war where Team Red is trying to take on Team Blue, and Team Blue thinks they're winning because they've got the loudest voices in the crowd. And Team Red feels like it's losing, even though it has uh, the vast majority of Americans behind it, even people who typically vote for Team Blue. But uh, they're just not as vocal about it. Messaging still continues to be the biggest issue that the Republican Party faces today. They are terrible at messaging, and I don't understand why they're so bad at it when they have the winning ideas. They have the winning philosophy. There are very few people in this country that typically vote Democrat that would not change their minds about their voting patterns if the Republican Party just did a better job of messaging and reaching these people. Period. Now, I have no doubt about it because when I have a general conversation on political topics outside of this show and outside of social media where I'm face-to-face with an individual and we have these conversations and we just talk about the topics, we remain respectful, or at least I do. Sometimes they don't, but I, I resist the urge, and I eventually get some ground. Now, I know it's probably short-lived. But at some point, if I can just get a couple of admissions of where what they were being told is wrong or they acknowledge a when I tell a truth that they haven't been informed of by their trusted source of information that they would feel differently about a topic, then that's a victory. And it comes down to how do you message? I like the talking point here in the messaging that it is in fact the Republicans that are standing up for women's rights. Because for the longest time, Democrats have pretended to be standing up for the women. They're the ones standing up for the women. And yet that's not really what they do, is it? In fact, they don't stand up for anyone. They talk some good rhetoric about defending people of color and uh, the, the women's groups and all these other disenfranchised and dispo- <laughs> disproportionately affected Uh, minority groups. They talk a good game. They talk a big game. But it is just talk. They're trying to manipulate these folks. And we have gotten to the point where they're no longer hiding the ball that well, if at all. We've gotten to the point where literally all we need to do is show some of these folks who have been misled by media and by wishful thinking, if we were just to show them what they're actually saying what they're actually doing, show them the repercussions, and point out how what they're trying to do has been done before and has failed, both here and abroad. The messaging should be so easy because, again, they're not hiding it anymore. 
I mean, occasionally they'll say some two-faced duplicative uh, statements that kind of sounds like, oh, yeah, we're still there on your side. But all you have to do is show them other things they've said. So guess what, boys and girls? That means it's on us to do what the party itself doesn't seem to be able to do. Now, I, I am greatly disappointed with the Republican Party on a multitude of occasions. There's a large number of people currently holding office with an R stuck at the end of their name that has no business being in the Republican Party as I understand it should exist. But you see, they want to be a, a big tent party. They want more and more people in, and they want to have more uh, diversity of thought within the party, and that's fine to a degree. But the party still should stand up and represent the country as a whole and what's best for it. It should stand up and represent conservative values and conservative ideology. It should still stand up and make every effort to defend the Constitution in its original form and the Bill of Rights in its original form and then on a case-by-case basis any other amendment made after that. There are reasons why the first ten were done right up front. And there were reasons why there was a debate as to whether or not to do that or not. We, boys and girls, you and I, we need to make sure that we're doing our part to help in that messaging. The messaging about conservative values. The messaging about doing the right thing. The messaging about how morality still plays a part. The messaging about how gun control isn't a solution to anything but a return to valuing human life is. <clears throat> I want to share before I run out of time and forget, uh, this just came up a little while ago. Back in hour number one, I talked about a social media conversation I was having, a post where uh, comments were made. Well, Chief, uh, you know, Chief, formerly host over at BTR, Stepped away from doing the show. Still in contact with him on a semi-regular basis, again, through social media. And I'm always so very happy to hear from him. I mean, he, he was big on the simple facts of life, and I love the show, and I miss him dearly being on air, but I understand his needs to step away. Well, Chief uh, ch- chimed in on this particular topic. Uh, the last thing I had said was talking about uh, in responding to how banning AR-15s uh, haven't uh, been tried before. And I said, actually, while it was not the AR-15 specifically, it was tried before. The so-called assault weapons ban that Biden brags about so often did target semi-automatic rifles in the hands of citizens. Violent crime did go down in large parts of the country, but not in all parts of the country. And the reason is it didn't go down because of the assault weapons ban, or so-called assault weapons ban. went down because when American citizens realized the government was trying to ban one kind of gun, they were concerned they then would be trying to ban others as well. So there was a huge increase in gun sales. Joe Biden and Barack Obama have been the best gun salesmen in America in a very long time. Joe Biden back then, Barack Obama during his presidency, and then uh, Biden gets to take a little claim for that too. Gets to claim a little credit. 
because it was in the places where gun ownership increased that the violent crime went down. Now, Biden likes to try to take this false level of claim of credit. I don't know why I keep trying to cut that uh, (laughs) statement short. Tries to take this false claim of credit, saying that, oh, well, the numbers went down because of my ban. No, numbers went down because people saw you gun grabbing, went and bought a bunch of guns while they could. And when the criminals realized that more people were armed, that's what stopped the violent crime. And that's why there were parts of the country, the parts that weren't able to do that, that didn't see a down drop in violent crimes in their neighborhoods, their communities, their cities, their towns, their states. Democratically run places where they try to prevent citizens from owning guns legally, that's where the violence continued to be high, and in some cases even went higher during the gun ban. At any rate, uh, chiefs decided to chime in at that point, and I think it's well worth sharing. He said that, uh, quote, a killer without a gun is a killer with a knife, a killer with a club, a killer with a car. A gun without a shooter is a paperweight. That is classic chief, (laughs) and it very succinctly uh, puts an exclamation point on my conversation that I was having. So again, Chief, thank you for participating uh, online, and uh, I hope you are well uh, if you are hearing this. I I think Chief is probably one of the few folks that is still listening to the show after I upload it over at BTR. I'm not broadcasting live at BTR, at least not at the moment. Anyway, that's going to have to be it for today's broadcast. Thank you so much for being here and listening. I greatly appreciate it. And remember... Whatever else you do, whatever else you take away from this program, remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Don't forget to come join me on Locals. That's Locals.com and look up the Tap Into The Truth community. Uh, Join the community for free and consider becoming a supporter. Uh, Just think about it. That's all I'm saying. And uh, I'm out. Bye, everybody. in both